Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are finishing out the 15 crazy obvious truths we forget too quickly, so we're going to be uh, finishing out those points today. It's, this is one of those um, you know, lists podcasts where Julie and I go through uh, certain points and talk about them and relate them back to, obviously, real estate and your businesses and really kind of designed to get you guys practical, tactical advice to put you in a position to help others make money. And so we're going to be finishing out that today. So Julie's got a great comment from, I believe it was either Facebook or maybe uh, someone from uh, the Amazon page, uh, ranking or uh, rating Harris Rules. Julie, welcome to the podcast. What do you got? Yes. Thank you. It's from <laughs> Stefan Black, who is on the private Facebook page where our Premier Coaching members uh, post their challenges and victories and uh, find accountability partners. Lots of referrals are shared on that page, so that's where this is coming from. His name is Stefan. He says, this coaching does work even if uh, – even if passively done, like listening to coaching calls and podcasts. Okay, now I thought, well, passively, let's hear this story, right? So he says, okay, <laughs> I had a listening appointment today. I show up with comps and a uh, personal story letter. I think he means kind of his resume and pre-listing package. I've been ta- talking to these folks in email for a few weeks. So the comfort level is already established. We walk through the house. Of course, it's November. So when it comes time to leave, I ask uh, if they'd like to go ahead and sign the listing, appoint, uh, listing agreement. They say, nah, we'll wait till January. The holidays are just upon us, right? I say, okay, and back off. But in my mind, I'm hearing Julie saying from the Premier Coaching, quote, most salespeople only close once. And I say to myself, I did close once, and it didn't work. Then I remember while standing in the kitchen with them that Julie said, close at least five times. And I say to myself, what the hell, I'm going for it. So I say something like, I can appreciate that you'd like to wait till January, but I'd like to start lining things up for this listing, like calling potential buyers and working the marketing. And signing the agreement today with me shows that your commitment and that, that then I'd feel comfortable spending that time for you. The husband seller says, hmm, maybe we should just list in December. Wife says, nope, we said January. So I go for close number three. I bought the necess- I brought the necessary documents with me, and since you guys live three hours away from here and we're all here together anyway, why don't we just go ahead and take care of this now, and I can post-date the listing for either December or January, which is best for you. The wife says, well, how long is this going to take to sign? Hours? All those damn disclosures? Grumble, grumble. I said, nope, it's just a five-page listing agreement. It'll only take minutes. Husband and wife look at each other for a minute. Then I say, can we sit at this table over here? Nice assumptive close, right? They both say, yes, let's take care of this now. My internal jaw dropped. I signed them. It worked. I closed over and over, and it worked, and it wasn't even uncomfortable. Thanks so much for the coaching. Damn, it works, and I'm going to keep on listening and using more of these ideas. Until today, I was afraid for some stupid reason to close repeatedly, but listening to the ideas over and over is changing my attitude, thank God. So how about that? I thought that was a great I love it. So testimonial you know, as you were, what we teach. Yeah. As you were reading that, I was thinking about the conversation you and I were having this morning about basically the re- one of the 
where Julie and I are always talking about, you know, the new book that we're working on. We're talking about future shows, all that good stuff, content for all of you to help you in your businesses. And one of the things we were talking about is what's the biggest difference, really, the essence of, say, somebody who has all the education but doesn't, it isn't successful versus someone who has all the education is successful. What's the missing X factor? And really it comes down to one thing, and that one thing is how you make that other person feel. Now, let me define that it's because I know the analyticals out, out there, and I don't mean that you know, as, a, as an attack, but it is true that you know, all, most people under pressure will get to become very analytical. That's how we're trained in our educational system, that under pressure you're supposed to go to like having a spreadsheet mindset, and that's the exact opposite that you need to be doing when you're selling. So folks that are natural salespeople, you guys will swing the other, other way too far. You'll essentially not have the skills, and you'll go in there and wing it and just try to win off your personality. The happy medium where you're going to find your greatest success is in the middle. So here's really – if you really to, you know, drill down on what that means, um, you are going to be successful or not depending on how you make the other person feel. And when he was – what was his first name, Julie, that one you just read Stephen. from Facebook? Stefan. Stefan, when he was going back after that seller and using all the very simple, painless objection handlers is what he was doing. He was actually selling. You were just heard an example of somebody selling. Um, what he was doing was actually showing that he's confident. He was making the people feel that he was confident in getting the job done versus, and see, this is the things that you guys don't realize. Your subconscious mind tells you that if you press this person, if you ask more than once, they'll think you're too pushy. They'll think you're too desperate. They might say no. You're going to lose the relationship. So your mind fills with all these fear-based things. Your amygdala fires off all these fear-based thoughts, and that causes you to basically back off, where the exact opposite is true. When you use well-written scripts like what you get in Premier Coaching, and they're not complicated, guys. These are very conversational scripts. That's what he used. He's, the examples Julie read to you are you know, iterations of our scripts. When you use those scripts, what you're doing actually is you're making the people realize that you're confident in selling their house, which is making them feel like you're the one that, that they want to hire to, uh, to, you know, for the job of selling their home. Unlike 99% of all the agents out there who are just big wimps who even if they know what to say, don't say it because they have all these ego-based you know, fear thoughts that bounce around their minds. Do you guys see the interesting you know, paradox that's existing out there and how you think versus actually what, how you should think? So if you're not getting the deals, if you're making, doing the work and you're not crossing into the end zone often enough, 99% of the time it's because you're not making the other party feel confident in you. And the easy way to elicit those emotions, even if you're in a low emotion person, is to simply use really powerful scripts. And I'm going to give you guys a really, really good example. Chris Heller, who was until recently the CEO of Keller Williams, a friend of ours, we've known him forever. We've coached some people on his staff. A lot of his people were, you know, just we've had very close ties with Chris for decades, okay? Um, I think that we met Chris, Julie and I met Chris probably, you know, 15, 17 years ago. So if you've ever met Chris, here's what you're going to take away. He's smart. He's um you can tell that he's smart when you talk to him. He's got that little, you know, the intellectual, you know, buzziness going on in his head. But he is very low emotion. He is not somebody that's bouncing off the walls. He's not somebody who's back slapping. He's not somebody that's going to give you a hug. He's not somebody that's naturally like that. He's a guy that's very relaxed, very mellow, very analytical. And I would say he's probably a good bit, for those of you guys who have studied uh, DISC before, he's probably a good bit driver too. But his dominant personality is definitely somebody who's analytical. But the thing that, about Chris, 
success is when he's in a sales environment, he is very good at his scripts, like knows what to say, knows how to say it, doesn't even have to think about it, it just comes out of his mouth in a very powerful way. And that's the reason that he's so successful in San Diego, or you know, I don't know if he sells in San Diego anymore, but so successful in San Diego selling real estate, because when he spoke, he didn't have a lot of emotion, but he was able to deliver powerful scripts that he knew would work in such a way that they felt confident in him. Now, the, the, you can have the same result if you basically deliver with emotion, but you don't have to deliver emotion like in you're auditioning for some sort of you know movie role. Uh, you can have emotion by just how you engage with people. Again, that's what Chris does. He'll look you in the eye. He'll be direct with you. He'll, he'll throw a smile in here or there to break tension. That's what I mean by showing emotion. So guys, remember, if you're not getting the results that you want, you need to uh, go drill down and, and realize that you are attracted to people. Everyone is attracted to people that make them feel a certain way. So if you, like, for example, like a, per, a certain movie actor, it's because that person makes you feel a certain way. If you like a certain preacher or a pastor or anybody like that, it's because they make you feel a certain way. Well, what's that way that they make you feel? They make you feel optimistic. They make you feel maybe, you know, all kinds of emotions. So look at how you react to people, certain people that you are attracted to, and try to elicit or try to create those, those, emotional, uh, those emotions within yourself so you can get that emotional response from the folks you're trying to sell to. Julie, does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, it's funny. Uh, I just watched a movie, uh, well, it was a documentary about film scores and why they're so powerful. And they used all these examples of like probably every single person listening could hum or sing Star Wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark or certainly Jaws, right? And that music stuck with you because it hit a certain part of your brain that makes you feel a certain way positive in most cases, maybe not with Jaws, okay, but it elicits a response and it settles into you. And I think that's what you're talking about. When it's how you make somebody feel, you've really got to take that into account. And it's so much more important how you make them feel than the exact words that you're saying. So yeah, we want you to internalize and personalize your scripts and understand them, but we don't want you to get so wrapped up in it that you're never going to open your mouth because you're afraid you're going to screw up one word or two. Make them feel, just as our example from Stefan did, hey, he's ready to get to work for them. He's confident. He wants to get this out there. Why would we wait? And he got the result. Well, the However, what wouldn't have happened if he hadn't yeah. kept on asking for the business. Go ahead. Look at the reviews of uh, Harris Rules on Amazon, right? There's over 200 now. We really appreciate it. But look at the reviews. What do they talk about? I mean, Julie and I are not motivational speakers. You, and if you are longtime podcast listeners, we know, or you know, hopefully by now, that we think most motivational speakers are straight up snake oil salesmen. And, you know, really at the end of the day, they aren't really providing much information that has any long lasting value. For the most part, that is what motivational speaking is all about. It's sort of this 1960s, 1970s feel good, temporary thing that doesn't really have any meaningful long term value because it gives you nothing actionable. So, look. We don't like that whole, you know, that whole subsection of motivational speakers, and we avoid it. And, but here's the thing. You guys tell us that we're motivational. Well, why is it that we're motivational? Because I know we are. So why is it that we're motivational? We're not trying to manipulate you or tell you all this sort of pseudoscience feel-good stuff like a lot of the other motivational speaker types do. What we're doing is we're, we're saying things to you that are very practical and tactical that are designed to put you in a position to help others and make money. By doing all of that, it resonates with you and you feel motivated, right? And read the reviews on the book. 
Read the reviews on this podcast. People feel a certain way. What's the way you feel after listening to Julie and I? You feel empowered because you're listening to us and you're going, damn, that's not difficult. I can do that. You're feeling encouraged because we share uh, the success stories of other agents that are just like you. You feel a certain way as a result of listening to our information. I, people have to feel the same way after you speak to them. And the way you do that is you master your craft. You get really good at the content on Premier Coaching. You don't look. We have scripts for everything, but we don't want you necessarily to memorize the scripts and just say them our way. We want you to internalize the scripts, and we want you to personalize the scripts, but you do have to – we want you to learn while you earn. So don't just all of a sudden start uh, like saying, oh, I'm going to spend the first part of next year studying the scripts, learning the pre-listing presentation, learning the pre-listing presentation, learning, 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 learning. No. We want you to do it just like Julie and I did it over 20 years ago, and we sold 100 houses our first year in the business. We learned while we earned. Learn while you earn, you'll learn faster. Again, basic psychology. When you're under pressure, you're going to learn faster. If you, for example, say, I'm going to take the next 90 days, and I'm going to learn Tim and Julie Harris's listing presentation exactly. I'm going to learn the Sharpie clothes. I'm going to learn all the steps necessary, the seven-step seven this and the, the whole thing. I'm going to learn it in the first 90 days. I promise you, you will not not be good as uh, after 90 days, even if you practice it every day, then if you basically forced yourself to go on one listing presentation, force yourself to follow it. <laughs> you wouldn't because the pressure of wanting to get that, that business meaningful. is going to make your – exactly. And so that's kind of where we're going with all this, guys, is make sure when you listen to Julie and I and you listen to anybody that makes you feel motivated, you need to recognize that your, your emotional state is going to uh, if that if that person said something to you in such a way that you feel a certain way you need to think well how can i emulate the way they speak or the way or what they said so that i can elicit those types of responses from the people in my life you guys get it okay so remember don't passively listen when you come across somebody that really you know encourages you in any way copy it emulate it all right, so Julie, what, uh, any other co uh, comments or do you great. want to get back to our points? Nope, that's a great segue into point number eight, and we, I think that's where we are. Fifteen crazy obvious truths we forget too quickly. Number eight, the easy button, shortcuts, and workarounds are not the solution. Anything worth doing, seeing, having, or being is going to require a level of sacrifice. Achieving your ambitions requires the concentration of inspired effort, so stop trying to skip steps. Jim Rohn said, quote, do not wish it were easier, wish you were better. I thought that was a great short quote, right? Don't wish it's easier, wish you were better. That's something you can actually have an effect on, okay? And I love your point about, I mean, we see it in coaching all the time, right? So how many agents wait until they have their butts kicked before they go, you know what, that PLP thing, that's kind of, that pre-listing package, that's kind of a good idea, isn't it? They wait too long, and then it's an act of desperation versus being prepared and having embraced that business instead. So easy button, shortcuts, workarounds, not going to do that next year. That is not part of your business plan. Back to you, Tim. Well, so the PLP, as Julie just mentioned, obviously she's talking about the pre-listing pack. If you don't have that done, do not make it on your list of things to do next year. Make it on your list of things to do this week. And as a Premier Coaching member, we will have a uh, actually our, one of our internal marketing people on the side will do the pre-listing pack for you, Jovell. So if you have not completed your pre-listing pack, Premier Coaching members, Elite Coaching members, VIP Coaching members, you no longer have an excuse. Don't try to learn how to do it yourself. Don't try to learn the software. Don't try to learn the process. I mean, if you already know how to, 
awesome. But if you don't, just hire Jovelle to get it done for you. She'll have it done for you this time of year. She could probably have it done for you in like a week. But here's the interesting psychology of that little thing I just said. How many of you right now are thinking to yourselves, well, I guess that's a good idea, but holy crap, if I had that done, then I would no longer have an excuse to pros- not to prospect, not to go on those big appointments. How exactly. many of you are using – Right, Julie? How many of you are using the perpetual getting ready to get started, have more stuff to have to do as an excuse to avoid doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level? Isn't that scary when we call you out on your own BS? So, guys, please do not procrastinate on any of this stuff. The greatest opportunities of your lives and your business are still ahead of you. Julie, what's the next point? Yes, you got it. Point number nine, it's too soon to tell. Adopt that saying. Instead of judging everything as it happens to be good or bad, replace that thought with, it's too soon to tell. Why did this or that happen to you? It's too soon to tell. Think of all the examples from your life that prove this and adopt it into your psyche. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson said, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. So it's too soon to tell. Let's see what it grows into. And that goes both positive and negative, right? So I remember taking listings where I thought, well, that was a pretty kick-ass appointment beautiful listing and then okay now we have to sell it so it's too soon to tell the market will say whether we priced it and marketed it right and it's up to us to negotiate it correctly it's too soon to tell it's probably a rock in listings i'm you know probably but let's not get ahead of ourselves and be assumptive now same thing with something negative Uh, and i see this all the time with buyer's agents lost the buyer side they didn't get the house they wanted they got out of bidded well too soon to tell maybe the next thing you find them is 10 times as good and an easier deal to put together for both of you too soon to tell don't just deem it bad or wrong because that's how you end up making that your theme song for the month and well what's the real essence of too soon to tell it's to keep you off the emotional roller coaster of labeling things as julie just said as a really good experience or really bad experience. Just keep on continuously telling yourself it's too soon to tell because if you you guys have, well, if you have not been in the business long enough, I promise you, you're going to put some huge deal on contract. You're going to start spending the money. (laughs) You're going to have your trip to Vegas and your new Mercedes-Benz spec'd out, and the whole thing's going to blow up and you're going to lose the deal, and that's going to throw you on your ass for the next, you know, maybe even year. That happens all the time. We hear all the time from people who had these really big commercial deals or multifamily deals and they essentially thought they were on easy street and then the deal blew apart and then because they were so banked or so dependent financially on that deal closing they then screwed themselves and hadn't generated other business okay now if you'd basically put that deal in contract and then you kept doing what you're supposed to do every day despite the fact that deal is in contract and constantly told yourself it was too soon to tell if that deal didn't close you would have had no financial downfalls from it and so just remember it's too soon to tell with everything don't label things good. Don't label things bad. Just label things too soon to tell. It makes it so that you no longer get burned out from the emotional highs and lows of being a, a commissioned salesperson. This next one's fun. Number 10, narcissistic energy. Perceived threat. Injury. Injury. Oh, sorry. Narcissistic injury. Injury. <laughs> Perceived threat to your self-esteem or self-worth, uh, to your esteem or self-worth should not be the theme song. Uh, your story or your thing. Stop taking everything so seriously. It's not about you all the time. Now, I'll just bottom line that one. Uh, there has been – okay, I was telling again Julie about this this morning. 
there was a uh, was Sean Parker who started Facebook along with Mark what's his face Zuckerberg has come out and we're going to put an article about this on our website. And you guys know this. Nobody else is going to report on this. Inman won't report on it. It won't make it into the mainstream media. Nobody's going to talk about this, but we are. You know, so the 100,000 of you who listen to us regularly, you guys are going to get this information, or you can Google it yourself and find out. So he's being interviewed in front of this big audience. And this dude straight up says that we designed Facebook to be psycho, to basically have a, a psychological – now, some of you are, are going to go, well, no shit, they did it that way. But listen to this. They designed it so that you'd, it becomes psychologically addictive. They designed it literally down to the icons and the colors, tested everything so that basically by you know, looking for the likes, by scrolling, by the whole interaction on the page, it is designed to produce a dopamine response and makes it thus makes it addictive. And he laughed about it. He actually went as far as to say, we've probably ruined a whole generation of kids because what's happened is the children who basically have grown up on Facebook thinking it was normal because for them it was normal because it's always been there, have never learned how to have conversations. Always expect instant gratification from someone giving them either, you know, a real or imaginal like, you know, like, hey, you know, they're looking for constant feedback. They literally have their brains, have had their brains hardwired to the point where they're probably going to be largely dysfunctional adults. He said all of this, not Tim Harris, not Julie Harris. The guy that co-founded Facebook said all of this. Uh, yeah, so and Tim, I, I was fascinated. That was not like some secretly recorded interview or conversation. No. That was said publicly. He was bragging about it. He was I laughing. He, yeah, oh. he was bragging. Facebook made him a billionaire, and he was arrogantly bragging about it and laughing and thought it was hilarious. What an asshole. So, guys, we're going to put an article about him, this. On the, too soon to tell. We'll see how that goes. No, it's not too soon to tell. There's a nice warm place in hell or cold place in hell for somebody (laughs) like that. I mean, seriously, that just seems – okay, so here's where my mind went when I heard this. Why is it that somebody like that so arrogantly – who, you know, who basically says you know, what he just did, and they did it all by design. And yet there's no rules that, that are trying to basically make it so that there's warnings or there's safeguards for ages on Facebook. You, know, you have to have uh, – you can't buy cigarettes. And I don't, you know, cigarettes, I'm not obviously proposed of smoking, but you can't buy smokes until you're a certain age. You can't buy alcohol until you're a certain age. You can't do these things that have been proven to basically have detrimental effects on your body. And yet Facebook, who the founders are brown, about that they know for a fact it has detrimental effects, especially on young developing minds. They brag about it, and yet there's no regulations or rules on how. And I'm not a big regulations and rules guy. <laughs> you know, a big surprise there, right? But here it is. I just think, what kind of strange parallel universe do we live in where we have allowed some sort of, you know, narcissistic, voyeuristic thing to become so prominent in our lives? That to the point where we people allow their children unfiltered access to something that literally is probably making it so they'll never have, uh, you know, normal lives. They'll literally have their brains hardwired to the point where they cannot function in society. You guys thought about that? You should think about that. Google for the article in case um, our reporters don't come out with it fast enough. Sean Parker, Facebook, you'll find it. Um, and you know, like I said, he was on stage in front of thousands of people bragging about this and, and it just laughing. All right, moving on. Point number 11, Julie. Have an attitude of gratitude even on the worst of days. That's something you can take with you into real estate, right? Have an attitude of gratitude. I mean, you can start out with something as simple as 
it's going to be a lot easier to go on my appointments today because it's not raining, because it's not snowing. It's a beautiful day. You know, it's so funny how much Zoe reminds me of this because you take her outside. It doesn't even really matter. It could be raining. And she'll say, oh, what a beautiful day it is. She's just so happy to be alive, right? Have an attitude of gratitude. Everything is not going to go perfectly all the time every second of your life. So you've got to look at the things that are going well. Oh, I'm overwhelmed. Okay, replace that with, I have so much opportunity, I'm really blessed. You see the difference? So the attitude of gratitude will serve you well. That's point number 11. One more, and then I have to get to premiere. Point number 12, purpose is better than passion. It's okay not to love your work. Love what the results of your work provide for you and your family. Purpose is better than passion. It is unlikely that you're going to roll out of bed tomorrow with an overwhelming passion like you would have for something else, okay, in this business. Purpose is better. So remember, you're doing this for freedom. We make this, this is a huge point in the Harris Rules book. Why'd you get into this in the first place? For freedom. What does that mean to you? To be able to do, be, see, and have anything that you want to for yourself, for your family, extended family, philanthropy, whatever makes sense for you. That is the result of your hard work. You don't have to be overwhelmingly passionate for that to come together. I think that's such a huge mistake that people think, well, you know, I'm just not feeling the passion about it. Well, so what? What's that got to do with it? Anyway, back to you. Yes, when you have to get to Premier Coaching. Yes. (laughs) No, no, I know. And Look, I'll finish up these next three points just so we can go on to a new topic tomorrow. So, guys, that is a very important thing. So those of you who think that you have to be passionate in order to be successful, that has been proven so many different ways by so many different people to be an outright lie that you should just completely purge that. And that means going to your library of business books that you've been buying for the past two decades that talk about passion all the time and use those as kindling for Christmas this year, okay? Seriously, you do not need to be passionate about what you're going to uh, be successful at. That is totally and completely incompletely true and uh, just absolute crap. Passion is an emotion, and like all emotions, it, it ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. Passion is largely tied to ego. So you don't really – if you expect to basically be successful only when you feel a certain way, i.e. passionate, how often do you actually feel passionate? Not very often, do you? So if you're only going to really work at the highest level when you feel that impassioned way, you're lucky if you're putting in five minutes of real work every week. You guys get it? So that's the problem with waiting for passion. Uh, by the way, Ego is the Enemy is a great book. I know a lot of you guys are also buying our book on Amazon and buying that one because Amazon is advertising our books, our book and Ego is the Enemy together. So Harris Rules and Ego and the Enemy are great books to uh, buy at the same time. Oh, and yes, uh, the audible version of the book is coming out any day now. Point number 13, talking about work is not the same as work. Getting ready to get started to maybe take action and really fi- uh, feel inspired after posting your thoughts on your blog, Facebook, Pinterest does not count as being purposeful. It's called work because it requires effort. Know the difference between uh, thinking and doing and do something about it. So easily, the the way to basically uh, meter yourself on that is if you're doing one of these five activities, or ideally all five of these activities, are you lead generating? Are you pre-qualifying? Are you presenting? Um, Are you negotiating? Are you closing? That's it. Those are the things that get you paid in real estate. I'll say it again. Are you lead generating? Are you pre-qualifying? Are you presenting? Are you negotiating? Are you closing? And if you're not, in my opinion, you're not working. So when you're working on your website and you're working on your logo and you're working on your dip campaign and you're working up your blah, 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 all these other busy work type things, you're not actually working. 
You're only working when you're actually helping somebody directly. All those other activities, I'm here to tell you guys, if you never do or if you do it at a low level, you will be just fine. Uh, here, this is something that certainly goes against the mainstream zeitgeist in real estate nowadays. Do you need a long-term lead follow-up campaign? No. Does a, lead, a long-term lead, uh, lead follow-up campaign actually generate results? No. Not to the point where it's worth doing. Do you need a fancy logo? No. Do you need a fancy website? No. You guys do not waste your time believing that you need to work on your logo or you need to work on your branding. You need to work on your ability to get in front of sellers and basically talk with sellers about why they should list with you. That's what Premier Coaching is all about. Oh, and by the way, that's what's actually going to get you control and make you money in real estate. All the other people that are telling you you need to work on your website and your logo and your branding and all your other stuff, they're trying to sell you website, logo, branding, and other stuff, stuff, aren't they? Ah, obvious, isn't it? So that's the reason there's so many people out there that are trying to sell you guys stuff that you believe that you need for your business to be successful. But I'm here to tell you, and you already know it's true, your sellers will never care. Nobody will ever care. It's busy work that you are gravitating towards many of you because it is a wonderful excuse not to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Uh-huh. That's right. I said it. All right, next point and the last two points. Apologize even if you did not if you don't think you did anything wrong. And actually, I learned that from a guy named Ray Robinson who was a preacher, who was a customer. He was a pastor and he was also a customer of ours and we became friends with him. And a, pro- a proper apology consists of admitting when you're doing wrong, apologizing for stress or hurt feelings caused, and promising not to inflict the same pain again. Well, what Ray said to me, and I thought this was very interesting because he and I were talking about you know, essentially communicating because he obviously communicated with a lot of people about a lot of different topics because as a, a, a spiritual person, you have to obviously help a lot of people through their challenges. And Ray said he got into the habit of saying, I apologize if I offended you. Or asking permission before he had to actually say something. Do I have your permission to say something to you even if it might offend you? And when he said things like that, people were much more receptive to what he has to say. So this time of year, if you have to tell a seller that they need to reposition their house in the market to correctly reflect the market's expectations, I hope you were paying attention to what I just said. In case not, you weren't. Here it is again. Mr. Seller, we need to, we need to reposition your house on the market so that we can correctly reflect the market's expectations, i.e. lower the price. Don't say lower the price, say what I said, the seller will be much more receptive to it. And, and I need your permission, Mr. Seller, to tell you something, something that you might not want to hear, something that might seem even uh, initially a little bit offensive. Do I have your permission to tell you that? And when you ask and pose questions like that, and you frame things like that, you will have meaningful conversations that cut through people's defense mechanisms, i.e. their own egos. If you just say lower your price, the seller's reaction is always going to be that they're feeling attacked. Think if you were that seller. You have a house listed. I call you up, and I do it like most of you do it. I say, hey, Bob, we're over price. You need to lower our price. You're immediate without thinking about it. Amygdala psychological fight or flight reaction is screw you, buddy. I'm not lowering my price. I feel attacked. You, you guys get it? So, all these sort of emotions are tied into the same thing. And a good, strong apology if you think you've offended somebody goes a long way. So, if you have just taking that and drilling it down, if you have any odd interactions with anybody, 
even if you uh, like you, you see somebody that's kind of rejecting you, or you see somebody in your office that's kind of like cold to you. If you see some, it just doesn't matter what. Just say, I apologize if I offended you at any time. It wasn't my intent. I assure you. You say something like that, and you say it in a nice way, and then you're going to find that that cuts through everything, and you can have a meaningful conversation with that person. Um, where a lot of us get stuck is we are afraid to admit. We're afraid to, first of all, put ourselves in a position where we're saying, I'm sorry, and we're especially not going to say it if we're not 100% sure that we should apologize. And I promise you guys that's nothing but an ego state. So if you fillet yourself a little bit and put yourself out there and apologize to people, even when you don't know what you did to offend them, you're going to find that you transcend that defensive ego-type reaction. I, I think most of you guys can understand what I'm saying. Point number 15, the last point. Uh, forgive even if no one has apologized. Similar to point number 14, holding grudges expands energy, uh, even uh, energy better spent uh, producing results you want instead of the feelings you don't. Don't become an, an uh, eternal victim. And that, of course, is another one of those things that we all, most of us, kind of figure out the older we get. There is absolutely no benefit whatsoever to holding grudges towards anybody ever. Now, I'm going to preface that. I know that many of you guys like to feel like you have competitors, and those competitors can be other agents, and that's great. And I know, again, everybody in the current you know, real estate education or just sort of business mindset genre is saying, oh, no, brother, your, own, your true competition is only yourself. The best version of you should be competing with you know, the best version of you from yesterday, and that's how you should be improving. That's a bunch of horseshit because in real estate, just like everything else in life, there's only one winner and there's only one loser. There's only one listing contract, right? So you have to think that competition is real and you have to treat it like it's real. The current generation of people that are entering into the workforce they were taught to think collaboratively. They weren't taught to th – they're thinking in teams. They're thinking in this feel-good stuff. They don't think in terms of competition. But competition is reality. Competition is how the world works. Competition is how the world will always work. There is a, a, an innate desire to win that's in all of us. And so you have to recognize that and embrace that and use that to your advantage. Now, don't be a grudge holder, but again, don't mean – don't think that – I'm asking you not, or I'm asking you in any way to curtail your natural competitive uh, tendencies. If there is an agent in your office who is basically getting more listings than you, and you want to have that person in your mind as your competition, go for it. A good competitor, somebody that challenges you, or even several people that challenge you, can change the world for you because they make you get better. If you find yourself in your world where you're the best of the best in your real estate office or your whatever office, because we have a lot of folks that listen to us that aren't in real estate, if you know already in your world you're the best of the best in your town, in your community, in your profession, you need to go to a bigger pond immediately. And that right there, when you're facing competition, is going to make you even better. That's the thing, guys. Think about these things as we roll into the new year. But look, again, to the point, don't be one of these people that holds grudges. There's a lot of people that do that. Holding a grudge, to Julie's point there, point number 15, actually takes more energy than basically letting that go. When you hold a grudge towards somebody, when you have that sort of, you know, allow those hateful energies to basically expand, you actually take from yourself. They don't care that you don't like them. They don't care that you, don't, that you have a grudge towards them. They don't care about any of those things. But you actually take away from yourself because if you were to let that go, some people call it 
forgiving. So if you were to forgive and let that go, you're going to find a it's almost a weird uh, load has been lifted off your back. And all of a sudden, you guys can start being more in tune with the fact that our highest and truest purpose on this planet is being of service to others. So listen, guys, we are going to start a totally new topic tomorrow, which I always love. I appreciate the constant stream of podcast ideas and suggestions. Julie and I write these down and we talk about them. And if we can uh, present in a you know a 30 minute format to whatever your guys' topics are, we're always going to use them. Email your ideas to Tim at timandjulieharris.com. Email your uh, your interviewee uh, um, suggestions to Tim at timandjulieharris.com. I send all those to our producer, and basically he goes through all of them. So whatever you guys have, whatever you guys want us to focus on, let us know. Thank you for making Harris Rules the number one international best-selling book that it is. If you have not picked up your copy yet, please consider doing so. It's available over on Amazon. And if you've already purchased the book, as literally thousands of you have, I would certainly appreciate it if you guys would give us – a five-star review. Give us a real review after you've read some of the book, not just like a fake review, just because you feel guilty because I asked, okay? So do please consume some of the book, and then let us know what you truly think. I Hopefully, you guys will be in alignment with everyone else giving us a five-star review. If you need me for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, or of course, Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.